0: Come with me, and I'll show you what every one of you can do single-handed. Here. You can tune in this wonderful new Westinghouse television set with just one hand like this because it has the sensational new Westinghouse single-dial control. There's no more fussing with several dials. You just turn this one dial and you're tuned in perfectly. Now in the set that you're watching now, does a channel ever come in like this and give you only sound? or when the picture comes in clear like this, is the sound ever so hard to get that all you hear is this? Fits and starts and whooshes of success. Are you succeeding in fits and starts? Fits and starts kind of loses its meaning after I say it a couple of times, right? Meaning to move in spurts or suddenly and sporadically. The origin of the term comes from the 17th century and used to mean a sudden state of activity or state of mind. And it pretty much means that today, fits and starts. We're succeeding in fits and starts, whooshes of success. And as it turns out, we almost always do. success is messy, and then it's not. Then we almost lose it, and then we don't. Consider Facebook for a moment. In its early public days, it blew up, and then lost half its value, then spiked up and down for a few years, and then started upward again. Amazon is the opposite. It was flat, then skyrocketed for a year or two, then came back down and was flat again for a few years, and then took off like a rocket again in 2010 and hasn't looked back since. And that's the way with people as well. Think about your success, your failures. Almost inevitably, they come in spurts. After sitting in that dead-end job and that seemingly inability to get out, you find a path forward, or you land that perfect job, or you win eight games in a row, or you get many, many dates right in a row, or you get that speaking gig, or you get that big bonus. It's all in one whoosh, a whoosh of success. We have this notion in our head that we find a formula for our career or our job or that next campaign or our love life, we'll lock it in, lock in that strategy, find the door, and then we just need to execute against it and scale. But it never works like that, does it? It's always about changing, adapting, and taking advantage of the whooshes. Because after the whoosh, and here's what they didn't tell you, what you didn't know, That success, it's never like you thought it was going to be, right? It always creates a new challenge, a new fit, a new start. That new job comes with new responsibilities. Winning eight games in a row, that means you're now pressured to win the ninth. Going out on your own, well, you're out on your own now. Indeed, fits and starts. And there's something interesting here for us, and especially timely, I think, now, how we can help each other. There's this saying that says, be kind to each other, because give everyone the benefit of the doubt, you never know what they're going through. That guy who cut you off on the freeway might be upset because his wife was just diagnosed. The person who didn't hold the door open for you, well, they just got fired. You never know what someone's going through, so it's always better to, you know, be kind. But it's true on the other side as well. During the fits and starts, we see people in our social feeds or through calls or at work in one of their fits or starts or whooshes of success and we think, I'm happy for them. Or if we're honest, sometimes we're not. We never say it, of course, but sometimes it just makes us feel worse for ourselves. Makes us feel like quitting Facebook or we feel jealous or, well, just not right. But here's the thing in the fits and starts because of the fits and starts just know that there's something that started when they fitted, or fitted when they started that successful case study at the keynote of the conference that marketer who looks like they have it all well they're on thin ice with their boss because they can't prove roi the one who's on vacation and posting pictures from a tropical island yeah his daughter won't talk to him so you know it's the same there why don't we give them the benefit of the doubt too Just because we're successful or they're successful doesn't mean we're or they are not fighting some new demon of themselves. So yeah, let's be kind to everyone. Why not? And let's appreciate the whooshes of success, ours and our colleagues. Let's push them along in their whooshes so that we might be pulled in our whooshes. As we get older, the whooshes come ever sparingly and seem to last shorter. So most of all, let's be kind to one another so that we might bring the next fit, start, and make the next whoosh come sooner. Today, we could all use one. And that's the theme of our show today, the whooshes of success and the fits and starts of getting there. And now it's time for me to whoosh on out of here and get our little fit ready to start. You ready to whoosh? Then let's roll. (music)
1: Now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, R, with this old marketing. Take it away, boys.
0: Well, hello, content marketers. This... Is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 204 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, October 9th, 2017. And with me, as always, is my co host, my colleague, my friend, and the biggest whoosh of content marketing success, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Whoosh. 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 The whoosh of success. A whoosh. Is this the story of Nike or something? What's that? No, it's the whoosh. That's the swoosh. This is the whoosh. Oh, the whoosh. Yeah, the whoosh of success. I guess it depends which on is, what country
1: you're in, depending if it's a swoosh, a whoosh, a noosh, bada-bing, bada-boo. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> it's, we were just talking about It's yeah. going to be one of those episodes
0: because our sports teams laid a big old goose egg yesterday. Yep, our sports ball teams did not play well across the board yesterday. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad for my Cowboys. It was bad for your Browns. Bad for the Indians. Just basically bad. Just, just always. not good. Yeah, I'm hoping, not good. The, I'm
1: hoping the Indians have a turnaround tonight. Close out yep. the series. I do not want to go five games at all. So I'll be. That's what I'll, I will be doing. So basically, that's why we're recording it in the afternoon here because I need prep time. I need to have like three hours <laughs> exactly. of meditation time,
0: and I have to you make sure that I'm. Time. Oh yeah, I have
1: to make sure yeah. I wear the right clothes and you know
0: do all right. the right
1: hand signals and things like that.
0: Are you actually going to go to the? You're going to the game? No, no, it's in New York.
1: Oh, so okay. I'm here in Cleveland, right. so it shows I'm, you how much
0: I follow baseball. Yeah, that's
1: right. okay. Game five, yeah. if there is a game five, if the Yankees win tonight and there is a game five, it'll be in in Cleveland, and I'm not planning on going right now. Yeah. The last game I went to was game 6 of the World Series and they lost and I'm I'm not feeling right. I'm You're not feeling, feeling like, like you I'm might good be luck. the problem. I think I'm the problem. I think okay. it's me. Yeah, so maybe I just shouldn't even watch tonight.
0: i will just do the, <laughs> right. do the dishes and eat. I have taken corn. to I have taken to not wearing any memorabilia. Like, I don't, when I watch a Cowboys game, I don't watch, I, I don't wear a hat, I don't wear a shirt, I don't wear my shoes, I don't wear anything with the Cowboys logo on it, because whenever I do, they lose. And I broke my rule yesterday, and then so, yeah.
1: Well, and, first and, of all, that's not true, because you wore Cowboys gear well, when that you was came Browns. to Cleveland. <laughs> that was the brand. And we lost that's by, like, whole. 40. So, don't, <laughs> be. <a> no. <laughs> don't be. that. Don't be doing that. Just say, oh, yeah, well. Yeah, I'll wear it because it's the Browns, and you can wear. I anything. felt pretty safe. I have to say, it <laughs>
0: felt pretty safe. Yeah, you should wear a Tom Landry hat. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Hey, speaking of more joyous things, yes, we have our uh, our well, we have masterclasses to talk about. Oh, we We've have all kinds. Our, yeah, our, so our
1: so a couple things to talk about before we get to our show sponsor. Yeah, uh, we have Content Marketing World. Videos, videos on demand. You want to see all the videos, the great videos. They're amazing videos, fantastic videos from Content Marketing World 2017. You got to go to cmi.media slash video17. That's cmi.media slash video17. Use the coupon code PNR100 to save $100 off all the amazing sessions from Content Marketing World. And I think, I don't know the exact date, but in a couple weeks, they're taking them off. So, like, if you want to get them, you've got to get them in the next couple weeks, or they're not going to be available. Sorry. That's just, that's just the way wow. we do it. All right. That's That's how we market. <laughs> they're When they're gone, they're gone. you got to get them now. That's all I'm saying about it. And also, our, what is it, November 6th, the master classes start? Is that correct? There
0: they are. Yeah, eight-city tour. We are going on the road. I mean, we are literally Bob and uh, Bing on the road. We'll do Bob, Bob and Bing. Bob and Bing, Bob and I'm, Bing, yeah. I'm Bing.
1: Definitely, you're definitely you're, Bing. You're Bob. I'm definitely for sure. Bob. Yeah. Although you don't like being called Bob, that's for sure. I no. think that's funny when people
0: but, call you yeah. Rob. <laughs> well, that you know that that has a whole story behind. I know. Well, yeah. so yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. like quick backstory. If somebody says, "Hey, how's Rob doing?" I already know he was a friend. He or she was a friend of yours from ten years ago or before that
0: that is correct and that's exactly the right time frame too it's pre 2008
1: and then yeah if they say hey
0: how's Rob doing I say well where you been (laughs)
1: like don't be coming crawling back to Mr. Rose now that he's made it and you want something. Yeah. That's what that's usually <laughs> He's what I made is. it. <laughs> I haven't it. made it.
0: I don't know if I've made anything other yeah. than a pie lately. Oh.
1: So anyways, <laughs> back to our master classes. Go to yes. contentmarketingconf.com. Contentmarketingconf.com. Make sure you check out the cities. We're gonna be um, I'm doing these by heart. So there's New York, there's DC, there is uh Seattle, Boston, Boston, there is Chicago, there's San Francisco. And Austin. Did I get it. them all? That's it. I think you did. Yeah, if I missed one, apologies to that city. But we can't do them all. We can only do eight. Because that's all Robert would do. That's all Rob <laughs> would do. Robert wanted to do like 20. Rob, that's right. Rob only wanted like, to do eight. Yeah. All right, so that's that. That's our Top of the Show promos. And then our Top of the Show sponsor, h Again, this is a great little program we're doing. It's really fun. If you're not familiar with Ahrefs, a powerful SEO tool set, which has many amazing tools for content marketers who are looking to grow their traffic from Google. And what we're doing is any listener that tweets using this old marketing hashtag now through October 28th will be entered into a drawing to win an annual Ahrefs account plus a signed copy of Joe Polizzi and Robert Rose's new book, Killing marketing. Dun and dun dun. One randomly selected participant gonna be drawn a week. I think we've already done one or two. So make sure you use the this old marketing hashtag with member with HRS tools. You can find out what people are searching for on Google, what your competitors are doing on Google, um, and with with the search engines, with the content. Uh, you can figure out which of your content has the most shares and earns the most backlinks. So you can do more of that stuff, all that kind of good stuff. So, but I like this. So use the this old marketing hashtag now as sort of an entry every time you do it you get an entry into this little contest to win an Hrefs account plus a signed copy of our book
0: so That's there you amazing. go it's, yeah, it's wonderful it's wonderful and fun and it's free stuff and how can you not love free stuff Giddy up! That's that's you know, giddy up, giddy up, dilly dilly. D- <laughs> there you go. All right, what do we got? To, what, do we have? Anything? We have our quick anything hits. We we're going to start the show All with, right. which is of course big news items that come from the world of advertising, marketing, social media, wherever, whatever. Joe and I feel like talking about and the news stories that we think you need to be paying attention to. Um, And we've got a few uh, this week. Actually, a lot more news in general marketing space than the content marketing space this week. Um, And the first one comes courtesy of the Wall Street Journal. And this feels very redo or deja vu, whichever is your favorite there. But it's Google telling publishers, we come in peace. The story opens up by saying, Google convened a gathering of publishers in Chicago on Tuesday and had a straightforward message, we come in peace. The company brought in dozens of major publishers, broadcasters, and developers for its first publisher Leadership Summit and unveiled a range of new tools it said are designed to help publishers increase revenue from their content. Google executives pitched new features that are going to help publishers sell subscriptions an area that publishers have suggested Google has neglected in the past. The company said it would begin using its existing identity and payment technology there's your hint folks to enable readers to subscribe to publications with a single click and will also offer tools to help publishers target ads with subscription offers for those users most likely to sign up. What say you? I definitely have a take on this, but what yeah, say you Yeah, I, have a, I you? have
1: a definite take. Anytime, and I've I've watched enough science fiction shows,
0: movies, <laughs> to know
1: whenever someone says, whenever the 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 alien or the human or whatever it is says, we come in peace, they're they getting don't. ready to kill you. <laughs> yeah. they that's true. <laughs> it is. So this should tell all publishers that when Google's saying, and I'm sort of being facetious, but sort of not. No, Google when, is the face hugger of technologies. It they is are, the, They want to be... So my take is this, and I want to hear your take. So, yeah. of course, they canceled their first click uh, free policy, which we covered a couple weeks ago on the show, which, yeah. is, yep. which is basically they're not going to penalize you if you have gated content, which a lot of these subscription sites do. Google, at the same time, no, I mean their dominance in advertising is severely being threatened right now by Facebook and Amazon. And they are concerned about their revenue stream specifically for Google, the search engine. So they're going to be like, okay, well, what do we have to do? Well, There's all this subscription revenue that's happening, and we've talked about on this show how Washington Post and the New York Times and many others, their subscription uh, revenue channels are going up because more people are getting subscribed. And we talked about Wall Street Journal on this show as well. So uh, they want a piece of that, and they want to be the go-to place where people subscribe to stuff. That's what I read off of this, and it scares me. So if I'm a publisher, I'd be like, no, no, I'm going to – I'm sorry, I don't care what uh, what wonderful technology you've got. I'm not I'm not rolling out. I'm not showing you my technology.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know what do you. Yeah. I mean, that's my take. I'm no, a little bit nervous it. about uh,
0: this. Look, it's it's and you should very well be. I mean, every publisher that is thinking about this should be very nervous. And it's not necessarily not to do it. Um, But it is to not, you know, don't make the same mistake that we've been making for the last 18 years, which is to to, to assume that one, that it's going to be around forever. But two, that this is, you know, this is all about access to audiences, you know, in the same way, this is the same exact relationship that. Comcast has with HBO or that um, Time Warner Cable has with any television network. This is they have access to an audience, the direct access and the data and the relationship with the audience. And what they're saying is, oh, we'll give you the tools to access those audiences with one click. They're not saying that they're going to... Now, I, there, there may be something behind here that that is that is that, that is not covered in this article that, that basically says that I'm wrong here, but it, I don't think so. I think what they're saying is, we'll give you the tools, we'll give you the technology for payment, and all you need to do is trust us that what will happen is, is that they'll come in, they'll hit one click, they'll subscribe, then we'll provide you the technology to make the content available to that subscriber, and we'll give you a revenue share... On the back end of it. And that's the way it's going to be. And the the most valuable thing there isn't the transactional money. It's the the relationship with the audience and the data that that audience provides. And so, you know, (laughs) four years from now when Google says, oh, remember how we said we were going to give you 90% of the fee? Well, now we're going to give you 50% of the fee. Don't come crying if that's where you bet your business.
1: Well, yes. I am in total agreement. This article, and I don't know if it's the way it's written or what happened in that meeting, but it just doesn't so- sound right. Even with the quote, "Oh, publisher said we've been wanting this technology for a while. Thank God Google's doing this." What? Go do it yourself. Go if you're right. a publisher, you you There, all the tools are there where you can make it pretty simple for people to subscribe right. to
0: your technology. Stuff. Is not you don't the have hard to wait here. for yeah,
1: you don't have to wait for Google for anything. If anything, and you, I mean, you and I have talked about this at length as well. Now is the time to sort of um, stand away from the Googles, the Amazons, the Facebooks, the Snapchats, all that, and really focus on our own audiences, our own relationships, because they want them. They want them all. Because they they do. Because if they have access to the audience, that's how they'll be able to monetize it better and more efficiently than you will as the publisher, or a brand
0: for that matter. That's right. And if you're a small publisher, of course, this is something that you have to take a look at because this is something where you may be able to, you know, do a flanking maneuver on one of your competitors and actually get some prominent placement. But just be aware of what's going on here that you are you are building, you know, a a a temporary at best. Mechanism to pull in subscribers, and if you don't have some mechanism to pull that audience in and make a direct relationship there, you're ultimately going to regret that decision. But, but so it's something you know. This is the classic Sun Tzu, you know, Art of War: keep your friends closer and your enemies closer, or whatever it is. And 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 yeah. So you know, look at it and think about it, but be just aware of what's what's really happening here.
1: Yeah, I don't. I think we. I don't think there's anything else we could say. Be told, and by the way, this is not just a publisher issue; this will be a (laughs) brand issue as well. So that's right. That's right. Just it's just positioned right now as a publisher issue. That's
0: exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) All right, all All right. right. Moving on here to our next quick hit, which is Amazon is readying its blitz on the ad industry. Big hat tip here, by the way, to Joachim Detlef, at um, J Detlef on the Twitter. Thank you, Joachim, for sending this over. Um, and this comes courtesy of digiday.com, and the article opens up by saying, Amazon continues to make serious inroads into the advertising business. Its latest move, a new office in Manhattan, that it says will bring 2,000 jobs, mostly in advertising, to the city and closer to Madison Avenue. Multiple media agency executives in New York said they have been hearing more from Amazon reps who are trying to sell them and their clients on Amazon advertising? Another executive said he's hearing from Amazon more, and Amazon has hired programmatic specialists from his agency in New York. Um, I have I have a take on this. Did yeah, you, I, I want I want to hear this? your
1: take. First of all, just so you know, it's Yoakim. It's Yo- not, oh, okay, all right. it's uh, not. Well, but I, but yeah, I think you had Joaquin Phoenix on the brain.
0: Okay, there you um, go. But that, you
1: but yeah, I want I want to hear your take on this one. What exactly is Amazon doing right now?
0: So this is something that has become an increasingly bigger part of certainly in CPG. We talked a little about this a couple of episodes ago when we talked about Mark Pritchard and his move at P&G to get more uh in bed is the right word, but it's basically you know closer to Amazon, which is Amazon's platform you can buy advertising on it you can buy you know pay-per-click and and also display based advertising to get higher you know Amazon is a huge search engine think about it for a second right It's it's one of the largest search engines on the planet. And you can search for anything there, including all the different kind, you know, it's more than books and products and all this kind of stuff, it's services and all sorts of things. And so Amazon has increasingly been opening up more and more types of uh, real estate and ad programs, including programmatic ad programs, for companies that want to either appear higher in search rankings or... At the bottom of product pages have related types of products and advertising or people who bought this bought that sort of things. And so this, as I see it, is basically Amazon moving their sales group closer to Madison Avenue where the media buying is happening so that they can, you know, 2,000 jobs. That sounds like a lot to me, but, but you know, but uh, it, this is them moving a, an entire productization of the advertising platform that is Amazon to New York. To say, hey, we can actually play in this game too. So it's a media buying uh, idea, not really a you – know, do we, we shouldn't think of this as them getting into the creative and – although they may. I mean they, maybe they get into well, creative here, but, but, but they're I definitely read, getting I, into the technology the, side of it.
1: That's what I read. I read that it's, it's the start or could be the start of that. It's because, okay, yeah, you're talking about whether you want to call it programmatic on Amazon or they're, they're – the tools that they have are pretty amazing. I mean to give to somebody to understand okay well here's the company, the 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 type of customer you're targeting here's their buyer's journey here's what they buy here's that it would this individual do they have all that in, that that data that first party data of course so they can go ahead and put that forward and they can say look now we can recommend to you what kind of creative that you should uh, you should develop and by the way let us help you develop that you're saying that they're not at that let us help you develop that yet
0: I don't think so. I don't think they want to get into the creative side of things. I think what they're what they're doing is they're saying, and it says this in the article that they're looking at what they call non endemic advertisers, which are basically brands that don't sell on Amazon. And so, let's say for example, you're a hotel um, or a restaurant. In some city. Well, as they start looking at the data that they have on you and you go in and you buy a camera and, uh, you know, a, a flowered shirt and swim trunks and, you know, a bunch of stuff. Well, they can pretty much make an assumption that you're going on vacation so they can start showing you ads or, you know, for hotels and for restaurants and then using other ads and data that they can pull from you. They may be even able to tell where you're going. And so they can start doing hyper-targeting of advertising for someone who's not selling a product on Amazon but wants to advertise on Amazon for, you know, airlines or cable companies or television shows or, you know, restaurants. You know, basically they can really get, you know, and they know where you live so they can get local with it and, and all sorts of things. So as a targeted media property where they can deliver programmatic and hyper-personalized advertising to you, it's a it's a huge It's a huge win for them and, by the way, a first step in them starting to monetize other content properties that they've got through other elements across Prime and television, et cetera, et cetera. So this is the first step in them sort of being able to sell programmatic advertising across a number of their content properties, not just the shopping experience.
1: Well, I think the one thing that's interesting that we were wondering when they were going to really do it is to open up the advertising opportunities across their platforms. And exactly. this and this, this obviously is, is a big yeah. signal saying, hey, here it is. We're open for business. And they're, so them being able to monetize that is incredible. But I – I mean, I guess I think maybe I think the worst or the best with Amazon, whatever you want to call it. But I I absolutely think that they're trying to replace a good portion of what an agency does. I think that we we'll that's, com- that's I think we'll that's see. coming. We always think that it's not. Oh, Amazon wouldn't want to go there. Like, oh, well, they don't want to get into that business because it's too low margin or whatever. And then oh, they don't want to get into services. Well, then you know they're going to get into it because they want to get into every business.
0: Yeah, they you know historically they have tended toward things that scale like with Amazon web services and those sorts of things, they tend to want to be plumbing rather than sort of um, topical sort of point skilled skill player services types of things. Uh, So I see them moving more into that direction, but, but it very well could be, I I do not disagree that we could see them get into creative services types of, of, of plays. Certainly as an adjunct of what they're, of what they're doing. I don't know if you did. You see the 60 Minutes last night when they talked about um, the guy who ran uh, Trump's campaign on social media and they talked about having embedded Facebook personnel as well as embedded uh, Twitter personnel who. Worked at both companies, sitting in their offices, cr- you know, doing basically helping them optimize the advertising. Are you and marketing. No, I did no, not hear it, that. It, oh, oh, you my should God. see it? It's yeah. You should go see it. It's a really interesting story. Politics aside, just as a marketing story, the idea of what they've been, what they were able to do with hyper targeting and programmatic and you know, really personalized advertising was pretty powerful. And they, according to this guy who was interviewed on sixty Minutes, they had people from the companies. Embedded in the campaign, working on them and helping them optimize it, yeah. and offered it to the Democratic Party who turned it down.
1: No, I got to so. tell you this because it's, I didn't know you're going to bring this up, but it was just so interesting. So I was at Marketing Profs last week and listened to, sat in on Tom Webster's talk, and he was yeah. talking about how, you know, again, politics aside here, this is just how it happened. He was talking about what Trump's campaign different, did different than Clinton's campaign on social. And they said what they did was they went to, He calls them the tree level, which basically they went down to a granular level of specific people from a specific location, and they monitored and listened to exactly how those people talked and what those key issues were. And then they got that information back to the to the Trump people, and then they would put that specific lingo, and he showed examples of it that, okay, if they're talking about – if Jobs was really important in this one or something about Clinton was really important in this one, he would go and when he gave a stump speech, he would use – what they, what they uh, derived from their Facebook listening research.
0: Yeah, that's and what it, this guy said. That's it was this unbelievable. Guy, yeah, yeah. Oh
1: my that's gosh. what this
0: guy was saying. He was saying basically they created, and I may get this number wrong, this is from memory, but they were they were saying that they created 100,000 ads per day. They were creating like tens of thousands of ads, personalized ads per day, um, using the technology to be able to sort of just throw together headlines and images and doing testing and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 fairly remarkable what they what they were able to do. So I don't even know how we got on that topic. Yeah, but, yeah I just I was talking about the sort of you getting talking about Amazon offering up creative services as a as an I, I could see it being an adjunct service that they say, "Hey, listen, you want to take advantage of the Amazon platform? Let us, we'll show you the creative services that make this really optimal right for you." But, but the I could one. see them doing that.
1: Well, the one thing that I do know, like uh, you know, Amazon conspiracy theories aside is I've been talking to a lot of marketers that say, if you obviously, if you want closer to the buying decision, and instead of going to Google search engine, you're taking those dollars and moving them to Amazon. Yeah, that's happening yeah. right now, which is yeah. why going to our first story, why Google's freaking out a little bit, because they're looking for every other possible uh, revenue channel right now. Because if you were if you were typing in for a particular product right now and you're like I want a really good product search Google's not the best place to go it's Amazon no and it's not even course. close yeah but I don't think people have now people have the opportunity to advertise on there that's a big difference i know they're saying non endemic right now but that's that's short term
0: yeah no it's it's i mean it's 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 very it's uh, well, the endemic stuff is there for sure already. I mean, yeah. the endemic stuff is already there. They're, this is the expansion of that, right? You know, so I mean, if you're selling products on Amazon, you've got a whole strategy around how you're optimizing for search. And you're, you know, I mean, I, I worked with a consumer brand just recently where they've got a whole team. That is built around optimizing their pages for Amazon search, right? Through content, like doing video content, doing how-to content, building an entire microsite within their Amazon product pages, so that they are, so that they're optimized for search. It's a there's a whole team for that. Amazing. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Times are a change. <laughs> they're tangent. Yeah. All right. So last story here. Um, just a quick, another just really quick, quick, quick hit here. This is from. Uh, mashable um, and it's about a story that we covered I think was it last week we did the fearless girl no, it was a couple, weeks ago. Was couple, a couple weeks, weeks ago a couple weeks ago okay yeah. so we we covered for those of you who might not have heard the show we covered the fearless girl which is of course the little statue um, in the middle of the Wall Street district that stands in front of the bull and it's done by State Street Bank um, and we talked about it as an interesting example of content marketing well Story comes out in Mashable, um, and uh, it's basically the headline is Fearless Girl... Um, State Street Pays for Inequality. Um, By by the way, big, big, huge hat tip here to uh, Gene Fox, um, uh, who sent this over. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing Gene's name as well. So it's it's the week of mispronouncing names. Um, Anyway, the article opens up by saying, Don't talk the talk unless you can walk the walk. State Street Corporation, the financial services firm behind the Wall Street statue of the fearless girl, Will pay five million dollars after a Department of Labor investigation found the firm underpaid female and black executives. Um, and so this brings up an interesting point, which is, I mean, just my quick take on this is the opening of the article is perfect, right? Don't walk, the, don't talk the talk unless you can walk the walk. So many times it's easy to come up with a content marketing story, but if you can't support it with your with your actual dealings and the things that you do it's probably not the right story for you yep i i mean hashtag you had one job i mean i just it this this baffles the hell out of me how you could put this much see this much success and not figure out how to go fix that i mean that's anyway it's 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 I don't have much more to say than that. I don't know about you, but but it's basically, I, it, you had one job, and I, it's it's very hard to well, figure out how they got caught doing
1: this. Yeah, very simply, You can't put your steak into the ground over an issue if your steak's made of marshmallows. I mean, that's basically <laughs> what it...
0: <laughs> that is the tweetable moment here, folks. You can't put your steak in the when ground if your this, steak is made of marshmallows. Uh,
1: when I saw this, I was I just... I, couldn't, I could not believe it when I saw this, that... that, that some, I know. That they, they they did this amazing thing, this initiative, this Fearless Girl thing that you and I talked about. That were like, man, this is fantastic. Uh, and a lot of groups were behind it. And then the real story, the truth going on in the organization does not align with the story they're trying to tell. Right. And you just can't do it that way. That's what, like, you know, I mean, if you look back on, I mean, not, not to get way, way back, but if you m- remember the BP oil spill. And then some of the storytelling that came out by like BP, oh, we're really into helping the environment and other things. Well, they had to they had to pull back from that quickly, because you can't. You, they couldn't go that. They couldn't tell that story, because it just didn't make any sense with wh- what they, what was going on in the world right now and what they were involved in. Yeah, maybe they can come back to that at some other time, but you've got to clean up your house first before you. Uh, you start
0: marching yeah. a story like that. Out, you so. can't put a stake in the ground if your stake's made of marshmallows. That's that's, <laughs> that's a classic. <laughs> I don't even know why I too. said that. I, I it's
1: <laughs> like uh, it's not like I wrote that down or anything, but I'm gonna have that tattooed on my right.
0: It's good. Now. No, it's it's a T-shirt for sure, okay, I, and I, a I can see the visual already. I can see the visual, which is a stake made of marshmallows. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> now we're gonna go to our in-depth stories, ladies and gentlemen. The stories that we want to cover just a little more in depth depth, because they pertain specifically to content marketing and stuff we talk about a lot. And our first and only story here in this section this week um, comes from fastcompany.com, uh, and the headline is, Blue Apron launches a new branded podcast, Why We Eat What We Eat. So it's a wonderful success story here. Uh, by the way, big hat tip here to Jackie Chickarellis. Jackie Chica. I love Jackie so much, Um, and uh, she sent this over, so thank you very much for this, Jackie. The article opens up by saying, as I've written about before, the author says, the proliferation of branded podcasts over the last year continues as marketers become more comfortable with the growing media format and look to engage people beyond a host reading out a scripted message. Microsoft, Virgin Atlantic, eBay, Tinder, Slack, Spotify, and now meal kit company Blue Apron joins the audio fray with Why We Eat What We Eat, hosted by Kathy Irway, created with Gimlet Media. Um, And we actually covered, I don't know if you remember this, we covered Gimlet getting into this business of creating podcasts Mm -hmm. for brands Um, A few months ago, the new podcast aims to explore the anthropology behind some of America's biggest food trends. Episodes will look into how kale went from a deli garnish to a full-on sensation, what makes a picky eater, and what the American institution known as the potluck dinner means. So what say you, Joe? I thought this was pretty cool. Well, I love the
1: second paragraph here because they talk about everyone's creating content about uh, cooking and cooking shows, and that's overdone. And what they said is they wanted to talk about something different that still resonated with their audiences. And this is what they came up with why we eat what, what we eat because they didn't feel that that was an area that's an area that they could be the spokes brand for, if you will, or yep. they could be the leading expert around that. And I absolutely love it because there's so many brands that just go out there and create content just like everyone else. Exactly. And here they're actually trying to do something different. So I like that for one thing. The second thing is, I mean, you and I know, I mean, we talk. I love the podcast format. It's perfect for something like this. I like that they came out with just a teaser. I went and checked it out. I just listened to the teaser. All it is is a teaser. It's a two and a half minute trailer teaser uh, saying here's what we're gonna do, get everybody excited about it. And then they're going you know, of course you can mark your place into iTunes and then you can go ahead and then uh, and then move on with it when you start doing the episodes. I think the third thing is they partnered with somebody like Gimlet, and we've talked about this before. Why they're different is they actually have distribution. They yeah. actually have they have other shows that they can distribute this on, and co-promote and get an audience quickly. Which is why brands go to them. And I just had a conversation with uh, with an agency owner about the future of the agency needs to have distribution. It's very important that if you're going to say hey, we're the leading financial services agency if you don't have distribution today you could get away with it 10 years ago today you you're, you're going to get you're going to get your lunch oh, eaten.
0: Wait till you hear our this old marketing example. I mean it's just I mean that that segues so beautifully into our this old marketing example this week. But I'll, but but yeah, but but continue. No, that's it. No, no. That, so I absolutely love this. <laughs> I I think that um
1: if we're not thinking about that format as an organization, I think we're probably missing something. But the, the problem is, is I've seen so many people, Oh, now we're going to do audio, but then they don't really think how they're going to go after their right. core. And that, that's what, that's what uh, blue apron is doing with this. They're going after their core core audience with something they believe will be resonated resonating with a completely different story than anyone else has been is told. That's basically your textbook definition of how you do this. So there you go.
0: Here's the, and I'll just make one other thing, which is the the the, you can tell they're taking this seriously, um because they hired a professional, they hired a professional to host it. Now I've never heard Kathy Irway do a podcast, but I know she's an author, yep. um, and I know she's got you know several books out, um uh and and she's an author. She lives in New York, um so they've invested in someone. They've invested in the talent, basically. And as I said in my keynote at Content Marketing World and have said before, the only thing that separates a brand from doing something really differentiating and wonderful, experiential in content is talent and trust. And if you can develop the trust and you can acquire the talent or develop the talent, then you there's nothing separating you from doing something as good or better than any media company on the planet. And that's, you know, and that and they you can see they're taking it seriously by investing in a you know in you know they're not having their ceo come out and read out recipes as a or in
1: or interns
0: in the organization
1: or yeah i mean they really this is this is totally agree with that yep totally agree
0: yep um and we have speaking of wonderful talent acquisition we have an amazing sponsor to talk about this week yes we do today's episode is sponsored
1: by our good friends at snap app and they got a great piece of content out for you. Step up. Uh, today's Snap-up. buying committees are. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna delete that whole part. Snap-up. There you go. Today's buying committees are diverse. Millennials are already taking their seats among Generation X and Baby Boomers at the buying table, making navigating the already complicated buying environment even harder, thanks to their different preferences. Though this shift might seem minor, it greatly impacts how marketing teams operate, sales teams engage, and how purchase decisions are ultimately made. Now, here's the good part about this whole thing. Snap App and Heinz Marketing recently conducted research to answer the question, how do different generations like to buy? Are you curious? Maybe you're curious. I'm they, curious. Are you curious? They created a report just for you, Robert, called The Millennials Are Here.
0: <laughs> it's not for me. It's definitely not for me. It is for you. No, it is for me you because I'm trying to, know to market this. to millennials. You I need yeah, to know yeah. this. Yes. yes, I do need to know this. B- Rob
1: would want to know. i do not know <laughs> Robert. But Rob would yeah. want to know. The millennials are here. How generational differences impact B2B buying committees today. Looks at the differences between the rising millennial buyer, their Generation X, and baby boomer counterparts, and how B2B marketing and sales strategies can address the gaps between them. Go to the report to download it now, cmi.media slash pnr204, that's cmi.media slash pnr204 to get this amazing report called The Millennials Are Here.
0: <laughs> and they come
1: in peace. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's a, that's, a, that's a way to bring it back. To the yeah. front of the show
0: boy you were just yeah. so good at that I that's what they it's what the it's what the comics the call the callback
1: oh it's the yes. callback yes yes well kind you would thing. know this because you spent a lot of time in com- comedy clubs I
0: did so. I grew up in comedy clubs um a lot of people not, don't know that I, I don't even know if you've
1: ever talked about it on the, on the show I mean you yeah. spent hours and hours almost every day inside a comedy
0: club I did spend every day That's I, I worked ass how I worked my way through what I attended of college um, was working at a comedy nightclub. My father owned a comedy nightclub and I was the door manager for a while, the bar manager for a very short time, and then um, yeah, and I, I got to... This was in the 1980s, of course, and Saw a lot of the comics that uh, that are that are huge today when they were just startup comics doing their touring bit. I have lots and lots of stories that uh, are best served over alcoholic beverages. So you were like you were like the Andrew Dice Clay in Pretty in Pink.
1: That was, I, was that
0: you. That, that is exactly that is exactly right. And here's so here's my Andrew Dice Clay story for you. I used to read. So when Andrew Dice Clay was a huge star. Um, He would come to our comedy club, and it was when he was getting all these television roles, and I used to read lines. I used to read lines with Andrew Dice Clay, and people don't know this. Oh, well, I don't know how how many people know this or not. He's actually not Italian. Um, He's uh, a very nice Jewish kid from, I think, the Midwest somewhere, and he's a lovely, wonderful man. Um, and was very nice and and very kind and um, uh, and but uh, he the whole dice thing is is really not his is is <laughs> he's not that he's not that guy but uh, but a, but a wonderful man nonetheless and I used to read lines with him on, on his when he was on TV shows that, to help him practice oh that is a good story yeah
1: oh man yeah. you're friends with it do you write to him do you keep in touch no, with him I do not. he's got the new show not. out he's got that new show out he's doing pretty he well really? yeah he's yeah. doing well no, this is okay. a
0: long time ago right, a long on. long long time ago alright you know, ladies and enough. gentlemen it is time for your favorite part of the show it is our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that Oh, makes us feel like, you know, we're just ready to pound our head into the wall or something that makes us feel like we've had a fit and start of some new whoosh of success. And let's see, uh, you are, I'm going first because I have this old marketing this week. Yes. Um, back, back to reality. Yes. Back to reality. Thank God. Exactly right. Um, I have a rave this week. Um, it is an article, it is It is rare that I want to rave about an article in The Drum um, because normally they, they are writing articles that makes us want to Tear our hair out, but this article is just fantastic, um, and it talks about something that uh, I've been on about lately, and it's just really—I um, I think the story is great, the article is great. Something that you should go read. The headline of the article is "Preparing for GDPR has completely changed Lloyd's digital marketing strategy." I've had the the well. Let me tell you the story first. So the story is about Lloyd's Bank. And it opens up by saying, two years into preparing for the May 2018 GDPR deadline, Lloyd's Banking Group has overhauled its CRM strategy across its major brands to focus on how to content rather than product marketing. Uh, And so, as they say, for example, in the run up to Christmas, Lloyd's might have previously emailed customers about the latest credit card deals or rewards for opening a new bank account. But this year, customers are going to start receiving information about how to shop safely online or what should they do if they realize they've been the victim of identity theft. The shift away from product-focused marketing toward relevant content marketing came as a direct result of its work to prepare for the new GDPR, General Data Protection Regulations, which is the EU um, overhaul of data and privacy that's coming um, in the middle of next year. This, to me, is something I've just been screaming from the rooftops for those who have been uh, listening, um, which is GDPR. And this is I, so funny because last week I was working with Um, a risk and compliance um, set of consultants um, who deal with people who work in risk and compliance and legal and IT, basically risk and compliance professionals in large enterprises. And they're all thinking about this, right? They're all looking at GDPR and how they're going to comply. And what we keep saying is this is not a risk and compliance issue. This is a marketing issue. And if marketing isn't involved in solving this, it is going to be a big fat fail because what risk and compliance are going to say is stop doing marketing and, you know, stop doing content, stop full stop, stop doing it because that's the way you comply with GDPR is just stop collecting consumer data. But of course, there's a differentiating, wonderful way to do this, which is to use content marketing because GDPR is the perfect business case for moving to a content marketing oriented strategy. And this article is just like the first and what I suspect will be many forward leaning brands who are going, you know, we can still get customer data and we can still use it to our advantage and driving value for the organization. We just have to switch our content strategy out for something that's valuable to the customer. And that's what this Lloyd's article is talking about, and why I wanted to rave about it. So it's just it's fantastic. It's just a it's just a great example of how a brand is evolving in this new data and privacy oriented space. Yeah, this
1: this could easily have been one of our lead articles. So I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you covered it. So yeah, absolutely. Thank,
0: thank absolutely. you for that's that. my that's my rave. Do you have a rant this week? I do not. No, I don't have anything bad to say this week. I'm trying to be kind. So this this is –
1: so I have – I'll try to make up for you then. Okay. Uh, No, I've got (laughs) to – I got this – it was almost perfect timing to get this Seth Godin blog post because I don't know about you, but I've just been noticing, Robert, as I walk around and interact with people and I go to conferences, how many people have their heads in their phones – and they're not paying attention to anything anymore. They're just paying attention to whatever's going on in their phone, and they're kind of missing life that goes on. And I want to read a portion of this from, from Seth Godin, and this is his uh, October 9th blog post. He says, it's called The Engine of Our Discontent. When you T- Good time. When, yeah, exactly. When TV first was adopted, it was a magical gift. The shows united our culture, and the ads fueled a seemingly endless consumer boom. Today, though, marketers have turned television into an instrument of dissatisfaction. The shows alienate many because they bring an idealized, expensive world into the homes of people who increasingly can't afford it. And the ads remind us just about everyone that their li- remind just about everyone that their lives are incomplete and unhappy unless they buy what's on offer. Worse, cable news is optimized to shock, frighten, and divide the people who watch it. Social media can amplify all these downward cycles. It's TV times a thousand. Hence, a middle class—millions of people who would be as rich as kings in any other time or place—that's angry and disappointed and feeling left behind, victims of a media regime where they are both the user and the product. Every time TV and social media become significant time sinks in a house—I'm sorry—every time TV and social media become significant time significant time sinks in a household, pleasure goes up and happiness goes down. The solution is simple and difficult. We can turn it off. If it's not getting you what you need or want, turn it off for a few hours. So that's, you know, you can take it for what it is. Right. is. I'm, I'm personalizing it a little bit to see a lot of people around me watching more, having more and more screen time. Just not TV. Just TV plus screen time, plus Netflix, plus everything else. And I see more and more of those people unhappy. And, I think that the two are definitely tied together, and uh, so this is not necessarily a marketing issue. I think it's a personal issue, although marketers definitely are having a hand in this and uh, keeping this going. So I just wanted to throw well, that out.
0: I've had a few f- of my friends email me over the last two weeks that they're they're, they're quitting social media. Full stop. Except yep. for you know the professionals on their you know when they go to work they check their company's stuff that they're doing, but they're but they're quitting Facebook because. They found themselves, you know, they did some sort of self-reflection and found themselves just unhappy when they did it. You know, they just sort of said, "Wow, they, I'm I'm feeling jealous. I'm feeling not great about my life or whatever it is." Which I mean, goes right to the theme of the show this week. But you know, it's it's about finding, you know, finding your happiness and taking advantage, listening, and 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 by the way, listening to others, and and you know. Being just being kind to one another, and it's amazing how much more happy that can make us in- Well, and think.
1: it all goes together right I mean and I this is a couple years back that I, and I can't I wish I could remember her name, but she was a great keynote, and she talked about that those people that put their phone on the table while they're at dinner or having a family dinner or whatever um, are like you know seventeen times more distracted. And they're always thinking about what's going on on that phone. Am I getting something on that phone? Is something coming in, social media, whatever the case is, rather than actually engaging in the conversation with the people around yeah. you.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Which is absolutely true you have seen it firsthand. All right, so that's it. Uh, it's off the soapbox there. The second thing is, I, and it goes to our Amazon. Um, this is just a quick commentary, but I've been following Amazon made an announcement on Friday that they're going to make a decision about whether to get into the pharmacy industry by Thanksgiving. And this is an article. I'll put this in the show notes. It's from street.com. It says, Why Amazon May Want to Crush Walgreens and CVS by Selling Prescription Drugs. <laughs> yeah. So so whatever, whatever you take from that on yeah. Friday and today continues on Monday. There's a sell-off in uh, pharmacy companies like Walgreens and CVS. Uh, because everyone thinks, oh my God, Amazon is getting into that industry. The only thing I have to say about that is this, is that if you, whatever your industry in, I don't, industry, whatever industry you are in, whether it's B2B or B2C or nonprofit or whatever, honestly, I would be thinking about right now, whether it's Amazon or not, or who's the disruptor that you're not thinking about. Because this is what generally happens, is that somebody comes along that you weren't expecting. Like we're, we're, Uh, taxis really thinking about something like Uber happening or Lyft or whatever the case is. And was Walgreens and CVS really thinking that Amazon would get into the prescription drugs business, whatever doesn't matter. But that's where something that can help from a content perspective is if you do a content audit and a competitive analysis on the type of content marketing you're creating, and then you actually do a full analysis and you look at all the competitors that are that are creating content, you will get a full scope over your competition rather than just looking at your real competitors. So if you, you gotta look at bloggers and influencers and media companies and competitors and side competitors and Amazon and Google and whoever else, really do yourself that favor. So that's, you know, whether you want to just say, oh, what well, would would Amazon or some other company get into this industry, put that to a side for a second, do yourself a favor and do a real content audit, real competitive analysis on what you're trying to become the leading expert in, because maybe that will help you with whatever that business model is for you in the future. So there you go.
0: That's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's, 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 um, yeah, I, you know, uh, yeah, I <laughs> just, it's, woosh. It's, it's real. Yeah. just exactly right. <laughs> Whoosh is exactly right. That's exactly, right. exactly right. It's, and it's just paying attention because it's, it's, these are the kinds of these are the kinds of data points when you start looking at them that you go yeah this is this is the kind of thing we need to pay attention to because it, it triggers the next whoosh
1: it's well it um, goes it goes back to obviously it goes back that's why we talked about this in killing marketing that everyone continues to think everybody in the marketing department just thinks that these are the products and services we're gonna offer that just it just gonna go on and on when you really yeah. start to understand this is that probably in five years we won't be offering hardly anything. I mean, what was that three M stat that you said every year something like sixty sixty percent of their revenue comes from uh from the last two to five years or something like that of new products? I can't remember what the stat is. But there's more and more of that happening where you have to keep re evolving and rethinking what
0: business you're actually in. So That's right. There you go. That's exactly right. All right. So All right. This old market Yeah, we have a wonderful example. So this is a really cool example, not the least of which uh, of reason is because of what you sort of went on about um, just a little bit ago. Um, So this one. So do you read or do you subscribe? I mean, you know, you're a traveler guy. Do you do you read the points guy? And do you even know what the points guy is?
1: I do now. Because I read you it, do, but I did okay. not hear about them before.
0: This was a new story. So this is something I've subscribed to for some time, and I don't know why it didn't ever strike me before. But there's a really fun little adventure I went on over the weekend when, um, uh, when, when seeing this. So I, I, I came across this and just doing regular research for the show, and um and it's a it's an article that actually appears in Tearsheet, um TearSheet.co. Is the name of the website. And the headline, which is what appeared in Google News, and I would not have even thought this, but I I saw the headline and it made me click on it how the points guy became the industry's best content marketing channel. Um, And I thought, wow, that's very interesting. I went and read this and the article, and the article is a wonderful article about the, the points guy. Interestingly, While it's a really wonderful article about The Points Guy, it really missed the big story, which is actually, fascinatingly, a killing marketing story. So let me tell you what I mean by that. All right. So The Points Guy is, of course, if you don't know, um, a blog started by former Morgan Stanley guy. Um, He was a recruiter, actually. had nothing really to do with the finance side, but he was flying all over the country looking for new talent um, for Morgan Stanley. Uh, So fast forward seven years later in this blog, and he calls it The Points Guy, which is... Uh, if you haven't read it, and I read it regularly, if you're a frequent traveler, it basically is how to get the right credit cards and and point systems through frequent flyer and traveler programs, and which ones you should be you know members of, given your particular style of travel and style of lifestyle and what you what you want to achieve. So he's like, you know, use the American Express Platinum card because it's worth the five hundred bucks because you get more points here that can be translated. And basically, it's educating you in terms of what those which programs are right for you. It's a wonderful blog, by the way. If you're in, if you're a frequent traveler like me, and I look at it quite a bit, he did this wonderful thing where he flew, like he flies all the fancy airlines and shows what you can get. He flew the 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 uh, I can't remember the the airline off the top of my head, but it's the wonderful um, one that's based in the Middle East and it's just it's got you know it's got your own apartment and anyway, it's just a really great blog. So he's really focused on credit cards and mileage and those kinds of programs, but they really started there to expand a little bit into financial education and those kinds of things, and the article starts covering how over the last few years they've started to expand. Um, They've got about 5 million unique visitors to the site now, and they've started to offer up these programs to other banks to do things like native um, and other kinds of content programs where they create content marketing for banks and, and credit card companies to actually create the content that will appear there and serve as a, as a content marketing platform. And you go like, hey, that's great. Here it is, this guy who sort of developed the Content Inc. model with Joe's sort of, you know, template there, develop a platform, to build an audience, figure out how it's going to work and then start monetizing it through the content and 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 building a business on top of that. Well, he sold and this is buried way 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 deep in the in the uh, in the article. He ended up selling the platform to Bankrate. When Bankrate was an aggregator of these kinds of services, comparison services, credit card comparison where you go and c- compare rates and then apply and those kinds of services and it became an interesting content marketing platform for them, of course, as part of the suite of content platforms that they had going on. Well, then I did a little more digging, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, wasn't Bankrate just acquired? I thought I remembered that headline. So I go and search, and sure enough, Bankrate back in July, and we totally missed this story, Bankrate itself was acquired back in July of 2017 by a a company called Red Ventures. So I go and look at Red Ventures, and Red Ventures is an agency, basically. They're a data, advertising, creative services, big agency that specializes uh, in home and finance and um, healthcare services. And guess what their big sort of claim to fame or differentiator is, is that they have amazing access to Content through distribution, content platforms through distribution, as well as data, direct access with audiences where they can offer up the ability to target audiences, the ability to understand and get research out of them, the ability to understand who those audiences are, where they're spending time, how they're spending money, um, and basically really have created a complete suite of services by owning all of the platforms that came with Bankrate, which include bankrate.com and the Points Guy and all these other platforms, but in other platforms as well. So they're an agency that now has a complete media company working with them to direct and address these audiences and drive value out of these audiences for their uh, for the clients that they serve through creative, advertising, marketing, direct marketing, and research services. It's just an amazing example. And by the way, they're still making money On the points guy. So here they are. They're making money off of the platform, but they're really using the platform to direct and create a direct relationship with audiences, which supports their agency businesses. It is a killing marketing case study writ large. It's just wonderful.
1: Oh, I can't. I'm so glad you found that
0: because (laughs) yeah it's just really cool i I hadn't even thought about it before but then i saw this thing and as i started getting into red ventures and all the things they do it's like it's everything we've been talking about an agency buying a publishing network and a content platforms to to handle the distribution and by the way make money doing it it's just and the guy and the
1: guy's still doing the points guy blog and everything right exactly he's He's
0: and operating and doing making money out of it and it's a viable business as far as i know a viable business for them selling you know because that's what the article that we'll link to in the show notes really speaks to is this, is the how they are really creating a content marketing platform for their clients, but of course they're owned by Bankrate, which is owned by this Red Ventures big agency company, and it's just a fantastic example. Oh,
1: that's awesome. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. So, um yeah. what are you doing this week?
0: You a traveling? Are you off? I'm no, I'm home this week. I'm finishing up some stuff, getting ready for the master classes, trying to finish up the workshop, do all that kind of stuff, and I start traveling in earnest, really in earnest next week. I start getting, I'm I'm back out on the road. How about you?
1: I am here this week. I've got a couple local uh, presentation speeches that I'm doing, and then I am, let's see, next week. What am I doing? And oh, it really starts same time as you because I'll I'll be traveling the week before we start the master classes and then then I'm out for and you guys Whatever. and then you and I are just doing the crazy tour so yeah, get on the crazy bus crazy Whoosh. train
0: yeah alright yeah. anyway yeah. I'm not going to start singing
1: it's all good <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that all is right. enough of yep. all of that um, alright well that is it for Joe Polizzi this is Robert Rose we're signing off of episode number 204 and if you dug it, won't you leave us a kind review on iTunes? Or consider subscribing. I don't know what you're doing if you haven't subscribed after 204 episodes. Um, I don't even know why I'm still asking. But if you haven't, please do. Uh, and when you leave us a review or if you subscribe, let us know. Won't you hashtag us up on the Twitter? This Old Marketing is the hashtag. We'd love to thank you personally for that. And, of course, we'd love to get your story ideas. Story ideas, story ideas, story ideas. We need lo- We need them. We love them. And, of course, you can also send an email if you like that little old-fashioned communication method. You can send an email to thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. All the links we talked about today will be available in the show notes as we go to publish on Monday night and, of course, in all their replete Technicolor glory on the show post at thisoldmarketing.com on Saturday. Until next week, everybody, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing.